Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. Gus Kearns, Mike Randall, coming at you with a little bit more information. Mike, how are you doing? And give us an update. Are you still... 11 and 0 in fantasy football or not? No, finished 10 and 1 last week, Gus. Thank you. This week we're doing okay. Just excited to be giving input, good or bad, out to our fans <laughs> there. Uh, everything this week going well. More wins than losses, but a little bit more back to reality here. But uh, very excited about everything that's going on from fantasy football to college basketball. We are under eight weeks, aren't we? We're like seven weeks away from the start of the season. Yeah, we're it's it's sneaking up on us very close, uh, slowly but surely. And you feel like every time you, you jump to another week, and you know before you know it, we'll be flipping the actual calendar uh, over to October, and then you know then it's it's right literally right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it seems crazy. That's getting here. I'm pre- getting pretty excited. Getting excited. Can't wait to see the first Miles Bridges cup dunk from the left and right side, which is coming by the way. They any major. College basketball outlet magazine that does not have them, number one, is a fraud, Gus. I'm calling it right now. I don't want to hear about kids who were playing in high school last year. Michigan State, the number one team in the country. No discussion. Well, a slight discussion. I'll take Arizona. You can have Oh, that's okay. No, no, that's okay. That's fine. Yes, yes. Arizona, totally different. I want veteran teams. I'm with you. Arizona, Michigan State, that's fine. I don't want to hear about Kentucky, although I love Kentucky. I don't want to hear about Duke. I know Coach K has got 65 stars coming in. Enough. I apologize. Yes, Arizona or Michigan State. It's all I want to hear. And and Michigan State, I think, is the place that we're going to start this podcast. We're going to – over the summer, we gave you guys the Coelacanth podcast of the the podcast of Lost – uh, the lost art of the big man in NCAA hoops, and we gave you a rundown of, of who the, the 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 great big men that are existing in this particular school of fish this year for uh, the NCAA 2017-2018 uh, NCAA hoop season. And then we gave you the best backcourts and gave you a rundown of who we think is going to do some damage, who's nasty, who's going to cross some people over. And Mike Miles Bridges is the place we start now. We're going to give you guys go back in the memory banks a little bit. You guys remember uh, Mel- Melvin? Uh, Ijim from from uh, um, from the Cyclones from Iowa State. Oh, that Remember, Iowa like, State team, Gus, that should have made a Final Four. Oh, they, they, they were nasty, right? Uh, he he was awesome. He was like the six six forward. I think he led the conference in rebounding one year. He averaged a double double. Uh, he was incredible. He was like one of my favorite college players that season. So what we thought we'd give you a rundown are are the the you know the the Melvin Ijims of of the two thousand. 17-2018 season. All like those swing players, all those small forward players, all those versatile players that can do a little bit of everything for their teams and, and are multi-talented, multi-dimensional. Uh, anywhere from like, you know, 6-4-ish to 6-10-ish. Um, kind of that positionless uh, basketball that a couple of the teams are, are kind of morphing into uh, copying the uh, Golden State Warriors and, and other teams that are just shooting up a whole bunch of threes and putting the, the ball in, in their playmakers' hands regardless of what position they play. So, Mike, 
I think the proper place to start with this rundown is definitely Miles Bridges of Michigan State. Don't, don't you think? I don't think there's even a discussion, Gus. Uh, Mr. Bridges is returning for his sophomore year. We all know that. We were shocked that he came back, but we're thrilled that he did. He's coming back for one reason and one reason only, and that is not only for a Final Four, Gus, that is for a national championship. Let's go through the numbers. 16.9 points per game, 8.3 rebounds. They say 6'7", maybe 6'6", but it's the explosiveness and the thickness that I just think is incredible, Gus. 38.9% from three-point range. He shot better than that in conference. I think he was over 40. The guy is a true leader. They have a bunch of sophomores back with them so he can lead the whole group, whether it's Winston and Langford and all those guys. They have the high-flying freshman coming in. This guy is the real deal. I remember when we saw him last year. I think it was the Bahamas, wherever it was, that first game. I think it was Arizona. They play Arizona that first game. He jumped off the screen. He jumped off the screen. The kid, like, the kid, he got hurt. Remember, he got hurt for a few games, the whole thing. Yes. He came back. Would he come back at Minnesota, I want to say, or, or something like that? Yeah, he came back with a, a road game. Yeah, with a road game. Uh, the, the kid is the best player in the country. He's the player of the year. All due respect to Michael Porter Jr., all due respect to Marvin Bagley. This kid is going to stand out. And, Gus, I'm just going to leave it with you like this. How many times does Tom Izzo have a veteran team returning and they underachieve? It just doesn't happen. That you want to say the Denzel Valentine team? Well, they did win the, the the Big Ten, and then they lost to Middle Tennessee State, which happens once in a while. It happened to Coach K too. This team is loaded. They're number one for me. Arizona similar. I respect you for that, but I don't want to hear about these freshmen. I don't want to hear about Ben Simmons. I know has he has he played an NBA game yet, and they didn't even make the tournament with him. I don't want to hear about it. Miles Bridges to me, number one guy, Blake Griffin Jr. That's a great comparison. Well, I think he has a lot. I think he has a lot of similarities to him. Maybe a, a smidge shorter. Maybe the rebounding numbers are, are a little bit off there. But I, I think as far as the his, his explosiveness, which you mentioned, his uh, freaky athleticism, and like just his body type, he, he's a he is a NBA player in waiting. And he could have went last year, like you said. And he, you know, you cried for him to be the number one player picked overall if he decided to come out. And the fact that he's coming back, he you could. I think you can arguably put him for the player of the year for the whole entire nation. I, I think he's on going to be on everybody's uh, first team All-American, and rightfully so. And I bet his numbers remain the same, but I, I have a feeling he'll be a little bit more efficient. I love the guy. And Gus, here's one. Here's a guy I feel bad for, Ethan Happ. Because I think in any other year, Ethan Happ is a legitimate Big 12 player of the year. He's still going to be up there. I'm sorry, Big 10 player of the year. He's still going right. to be up there. But he's going to be dwarfed by Miles Bridges because I think the All team's right. going to be better. But Ethan Happ's legit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Ethan Happ's uh, – you can throw him on your first-team All-American too if you wanted to. Uh, I, I don't know how good Wisconsin will be. I think that's still up for debate. Uh, depends on how their ball handlers and wing players play around Happ. But, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think any other year you might just be you know, crowning him as Big Ten Player of the Year or – uh, first team All-American, but with Bridges coming back, it, it totally changes the narrative for sure. Um, and you mentioned the two other guys that we'll get into right away. I, I think one of these wing players uh, is, who's going to have a gigantic impact is one of the freshmen, uh, Marvin, uh, Marvin Bagley from uh, from Duke. The fact that he is now eligible, uh, he is going to play this particular season. He's going to be integrated with that other uh, with the other great freshmen that Duke have coming in, with Trent, uh, Duval, and and Carter, like I think I think he is going to have an enormous impact. I can see Coach K playing him as their big, and then putting shooters and playmakers around him, and having it be a very similar setup to how Wisconsin plays with Hap, to be honest. And 
then they can, you know, put him out on the wing too and use him as a playmaker. He Bagley's going to be like a mismatch all entire season. I'm intrigued to see how much Coach K, how much responsibility Coach K gives him early on. Is he going to load him up right away or is he going to bring him along slowly? Um, He's gone both ways with this in the past with freshmen. He's taken his time with some of the freshmen and really like walked them through and held their hand. And other times he's just thrown them into the fire uh, and boom, they have a gigantic impact. So I'm intrigued to see which way Marvin Bagley goes. If it's going to be, here's a whole bunch of responsibility, go with it. Or if he holds his hand and, you know, says like, oh, you know, we're going to take this slow. And then he blows up the second half of the year. Probably the biggest thing, Gus, about Bagley, right? Six uh, ten, but he can do it all. I mean, he he oh, yeah. he creates a shot on the block, and then he gets out and he runs and he fills the lane, right? Uh, occasional three once in a while, but everyone yep. is saying everything I read online and and in, in print here thinks that he's the clear cut number one in next year's draft. Uh, he's he's a game changer. I don't think that Jill Okafor was was really as near near as talented offensively as Bagley was. I think he was big and he was growing into his body. I think Bagley's a little more polished. This is a player unlike many that that uh, Shashevsky has had, and he is supposed to be. If he's as good as he's supposed to be, Duke is probably going to be one or two for the entire year. But he reclassified the rich get richer. Coach K's got a loaded team. The other player that might go two and is in the argument for going number one showed up at Missouri. Michael Porter. Now, the cool thing about the Porter move to Missouri is, uh, speaking of reclassification, his brother, Jonte Porter, who's also 6'10", reclassified and is going to play this year at Missouri too. So they have two impact players coming in uh, from the same family, which is totally crazy and totally changing the outlook of Missouri because they have been down in the dumps in the Big 12 the past couple of years. Uh, with Kim Anderson leading the way. Um, with uh, Quanzo Martin there now, he's really changed the outlook for this team. And Porter, until Bagley reclassified, he was the consensus number one player coming in. Um, so he's going to be kind of flying under the radar, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see Porter get integrated as a freshman and the leading scorer, probably leads his, league in, uh, leads his team in touches, uh, I, I want to see how that operates. Are, are there a lot of turnovers waiting to happen there? Are there a lot of missed shots waiting to happen there? Are there uh, uncertainties with double teams waiting to happen there? Or does he just go off and average 20 points a game in conference? I, I, I want to see I want to see which way it goes for Porter. I'm, I can't wait to watch both him and, and Bagley play this year. Yeah, uh, last year, Missouri, you know, 8-24, and 24. Overall, two and sixteen in the SEC, tied for thirteenth. Gus, they were three hundred and thirty seventh in field goal percentage, just thirty point four percent from three point range, forty five percent from two point range, only under forty percent overall from the field. That's just not going to get it done. But Porter Jr. six ten two fifteen was the top prospect. He's certainly a one and done. His brother comes in six ten two forty, not as heralded, but still right there with him. Quanzo Martin seven year contract. We said it before. Kim Anderson's gone. He's brought some big guns in. He's recruited. He's got Porter's father on staff right now. Yep. Things are up for Missouri. They're going to be a big unknown, and Quanzo's looking to make a huge impact and sort of light the fire here, light the fire on how the next few years of recruiting is going to go. He's playing for keeps for longitudinal success. But, Gus, what do you think? you think they make the tournament? It's a great question. Um I wanted to see them have success in conference in the, in the SEC because just because they've been so terrible. But let's let's go. Uh, you know, you know what I think? I can totally see them being in the first four in the playing game. That's a good one. 
That's a real good one. Poor. That's where I can see them landing. He, he'll have like a little. They'll have that team. Will have a little spotlight. And remember, Martin has uh, uh, has success. He took that Tennessee team from the playing game and made his little run there yeah, too. So yeah. that wouldn't that wouldn't be totally foreign. Well done. Well, yeah, they blew out. They blew out UMass that year. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that when UMass was the sixth seed, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, another guy that we probably have on uh, their first team, your first team All Americans, is gonna, has to be Bonzi Colson, right? Notre Dame, undersized, hundred oh, yeah. percent. Yeah, it, 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 he's another guy. When you you heard he was coming back, you had like just that smile on your face, the same way that you did when you heard Miles Bridges was coming back. You're like, all right, I, I I'd love to watch Bonzi Colson play another year of college basketball. Of course, uh, he ad- averaged a double double last year. Uh, 17.8 points, uh, 10.1 boards. Uh, they list him as the center, but as only 6'6", he, he is not afraid to bang down low. Uh, his percentages were great across the board, too. He shot at almost 53% from the field, uh, over 43% from three, and 70% from the line. You can see him putting up giant numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, uh, if he is the preseason ACC player of the year, uh, and it's not crazy to put him on your All-American team as well, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm hoping that he has another gigantic year, and Notre Dame, he and Farrell are a great twosome. And you can see that, uh, you know, veteran point guard and veteran big man, y- y- you could see Notre Dame surprising some people this year, especially with Colson leading the charge. Yeah, Colson was third-team All-American last year, really underrated. I mean, inside-outside guy, his arms are enormous. He can shoot it. <laughs> yeah. He always steps up in the tournament and plays very, very well. 17.8 points per game, 10.1 rebounds for Mike Bray. Notre Dame sneaky, Gus. The book on them is defense, but they have the point guard back and they have Bonzi back. There is no reason here why Bonzi can't be a first-team All-American. I think his floor is third-team to repeat, maybe second, but he could be a first-team if he really pushes it. And if Bray runs everything through him, they got Farrell, they did lose Vistoria, they did lose Fluger, but they got TJ Gibbs. Really interesting guy. He could definitely get this team. His team's going to make the tournament. We know that. This team could be a top 10 team and Bonzi Colson could lead them there. Yeah, wouldn't be. I, maybe that top 10 is a little high, but I think that, that that's not crazy to prognosticate that. I where could you, totally where see that. Remember when you have in your top 32? I think I had him like 14, something like that. Uh, I feel like you had him right around there, sixteen. Let me I like see. You, I like you had him lower than that. Uh, yeah, I had fourteen. You're right. Fourteen. Well, we you know, so I yeah. feel like they're, they're knocking on the door. I mean, the yeah, ACC's yeah. real hard. Duke. Okay, but I'll tell you. Ready? Gun to your head. North Carolina, Notre Dame. Who finishes higher in the ACC? That's a great question. Uh, uh, I'm going to say UNC by a game. How's it's, that? It's close. And then would you put UNC, close. Would you put UNC behind Louisville right now? I would put UNC behind Louisville right now. I yes. agree. So we probably have Notre Dame fourth, roughly, right now. Quick sum. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah that, sounds, that sounds about right. Good. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Um, yeah, Colson's going to have a great year. I can't wait to watch him play. Another guy uh, that's going to come back that we – I talked about previously, uh, Reed Travis from Stanford. He's 6'8". He's a junior, uh, averaged 17.4 uh, points and almost nine boards a game. Uh, he didn't give up the ball that much, but they didn't ask him to do that, so that wasn't – part of what they were uh, running the offense for him. They were running the offense for him to, to get shots. He shot it. L- listen to this number. This is like staggering. He shot it 58% from the field and 65% from the line. And he did not attempt, uh, he did not make a three during the season last year. Again, they didn't ask him to do that. So that wasn't in his skill set. but I, I think Travis is going to be a first team all pack 12 player. Uh, you, you always see Stanford have like these, um, Great years, and and one of our guests, uh, Casey Jacobson, right? It, oh, he kind yeah. of falls yeah. to the, the you know into the mold of him, like a, a great player. Maybe not the shooter that uh, 
uh, Casey was, but uh, definitely an impact player that is going to have um, the impact player that's going to make a difference in the Pac-12. And then who knows? Like Stanford has some players coming in. They could possibly be knocking on the door to the tournament. Uh, they're, I think they're trending upwards if we're going to talk which way their, their, their team is going. I'm going to say Stanford arrow up. Reed Travis, Gus, only Pac-12 player in the top five in scoring and rebounding last year. Jared Haas going into his second year. They got a top 20 recruiting class. Travis is finally healthy with all the injuries that he had. 17 points, nine rebounds. A lot of people respect him in the Pac-12. I think he's a very under-the-radar guy because uh, the Cardinal were only 14 and 17 last year, 6 and 12 in conference. But it's a great call by you. There is basketball west of the Mississippi, and Reed Travis is one of the best out there. Speaking of under the radar, the next guy is one of my, he, he, for real, he's one of my favorite players in college basketball this year. I can't wait to watch him again. Uh, Kendrick Williams from TCU. 6'7", almost averaged a double-double last year. Uh, did a little bit of everything for TCU and was kind of like the heart and soul for that team. He averaged about 11.5 points, almost 10 boards a game, uh, over 2.5 assists. His percentages were pretty strong across the board, too. Almost 50% from the field, uh, 36% from three. A little low on the field goal uh, free throw percentage. He was only 58% from the free throw per, uh, from the free throw stripe. Uh, but the guy's not afraid to mix it up down low. Uh, TCU is coming off of the NIT championship with the big win in the Garden, and they bring multiple players back from the team. And Kendrick Williams is one of the best players that they bring back from this team. I think TCU and Jamie Dixon again, are, are pointing, uh, trending upward, arrow, arrow up, very similar to Stanford. Um, but I love Kendrick Williams. I love what he brings to the table. He is a, he's, he is a perfect NCAA hoops player. Uh, I think he's going to have a big impact, and I wouldn't be surprised if he averages a double-double uh, this year, very similar to how Reed Travis's year uh, is going to you know, extrapolate out. Oh, yeah, he's a, tr- he's a true workhorse there. Had 25 points, Gus, in the NIT championship that you talked about. Jamie Dixon, 24 and 15 in his first year at TCU. They were 6 and 12 in the Big 12, but that did not represent how competitive they were the entire time. They were very close. He's got a lot of guys back. He's got a good recruiting class coming in. 6'7, 210 pounds, 11.4 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. He is a true workhorse in college basketball, especially in the Big 12. So, Kendrick Williams, great call. TCU, very under the radar in the Big 12. There's an opening there. I know we have Kansas, but when you look at the rest of the teams, TCU is right there. Jamie Dixon's back at his alma mater, and they got some mojo going. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah, if they have one of the bigger jumps. I can see them jumping to that three, four, five spot uh, in the conference for sure. I think that's a good call on your part too. Um, next two guys are both from Louisville. I think the the next two swing players, uh, uh, Dang Adele came back uh, after testing out the NBA waters, and they bring in uh, Brian Bowen. Both of those guys are 6'7". I hope that Coach Patino tries to play these guys together uh, on the floor. That would be really cool to see both of those guys uh, uh, with Quentin Snyder running the point. I think uh, you wouldn't know where to put your attention defensively if you wanted to put it on Adele, who can uh, who put up 12 points, uh, four and a half boards, and two, two assists with uh, shooting 42% from the field. And Bowen, who's a, a top 25 recruit coming in, and he was – kind of a mystery of where he was going to end up, but he surprised everybody and ended up in Louisville. So I think with bringing him in and bringing Adele back, that kind of changed how Louisville was looking at how their season was going to, was going to, you know, fall out for the 2017, 2018 season. And you pair those two with Snyder and their stable of big men. 
uh, yeah, Louis, Louisville's going to be challenging Duke, if not sitting right behind them in the ACC. And Dang, uh, Dang Adele and Bowen are going to be, I think, major factors playing on the wing. Dang Adele, Luel Dang, I feel like they're very similar players. We joke right, about right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, matchup problem, he can create off the dribble, he can play four, he can play two. Well-rounded. I just keep thinking about Louisville, Gus. If only Donovan Mitchell had come back. I know we don't look backward, we look forward. But this team is definitely a, a, a Final Four contending team, and he would have made a huge difference. But Ray Spaulding is back, and Nasma Mood is back. You talked about mm-hmm. Brian Bowen, of course, and Quentin Snyder to lead the, the, the group as a point guard, 12 points. 12 four, Quentin Snyder. Yeah, 12 points and 4.1 points per game. But Dang Adele, you talked about him before. Was inconsistent initially. I think he was a little too let the game come to me, a la Ben Mclemore years ago. Okay, in the tournament, sure. I haven't forgot about that. But he's six seven, two hundred pounds, twelve point one points, four point five rebounds. We talked about how Patino had the biggest team he ever had, and they ran into Michigan and had trouble there in the tournament. But I have a feeling, Gus, that he doesn't mess it up twice. They had a decent season, 25-9, and 12-6, second in the ACC. That's a decent season for him, by the way. But Patino wants that eighth Final Four, and this team has a good chance to get there. And Dengadel's going to have to step up and be a 15-point-per-game player for them to do it. I would agree with that. I, I, I can see that. I can see that average coming his way, perhaps even a little higher. Uh, another player to decide to come back after testing NBA draft waters, or, or, or you know, seeing taking a temperature on the situation, is one of my guys from Gonzaga, Jonathan Williams. The transfer from Missouri, we mentioned earlier, had a was one of the cogs, one of the anchors, and w- one of the most consistent uh, Gonzaga players last year. He averaged ten points, over six boards, uh, shot at almost sixty percent from the field, and he shot a surprising forty percent from three. Um, so Williams is going to come back as one of the main cogs in the offense and not just be like an ancillary player that's going to uh, complement uh, the other players that they had last year with Karnowski and and Zach Collins So and uh, Nigel Williams-Goss. So he's going to be one of – they're going to run a lot of the offense through him. They're going to give a little bit more ownership. And I, I'm hoping that he's going to develop and, and grow just like every other Gonzaga player that's taken that redshirt year, developed – gotten better and totally improved. Uh, I, I think the script is going to be very similar. I can see him having another big jump, definitely in points, but I can also see him having a big jump just in consistency of play. Yeah, got a lot of flack for not putting Gonzaga in my top 25. Mark Few is a legend. Mark Few is a Hall of Famer. Mark Few is tremendous. And when Gonzaga did it, you were on them all year, and I kept doubting them, and they were tremendous. 37-2, and 71 in the, in, the, in the West Coast Conference, of course, losing at home to BYU. We talked about that in the last, on the last, um, last game of the year. But that meant nothing because this team had it and they gave North Carolina every bit that they could have and they were even the favorite there for uh, for a while. But they did lose Nigel Williams-Goss. They lost Shemek. They lost Zach Collins. They lost Jordan Matthews. Jonathan Williams is going to have to step up. 10 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, Gus. He does everything. He's kind of like a Vince Edwards-ish type of player from yeah. for Gonzaga, right? And they have a new team here. Killian Tilly's back, of course. I think they're going to be solid as they always are, but I'll say this now, Gus. I know I'm going off on a tangent. Boy, if St. Mary's doesn't win that conference this year. I mean, you know, because Few isn't going to be down for long. I mean, whatever right. down is for Few, right? What's he going to be, Gus? 25 and 8? Is that going to be down for him? I mean, you know, he's not going to be down for long, man. So, but Jonathan Williams will have to be a main, main player for them. He's got to take over that Nigel Williams Goss leadership role. I agree. I think that. In the, I think more his presence will be felt more in the locker room and the pa- practice floor 
than maybe in the stat sheet, if that makes sense. Um, but I can t- I can see him having that type of leadership. I- I'm I'm with you on that. And and supposedly by all accounts, a, a great guy, absolute superior student athlete, and just a-, a-, a guy that you want as your teammate. So rooting for Jonathan Williams, of course. Uh, go Gonzaga. Uh, and then I think for the rest of our wing players, Mike, you just want to do like a quick rundown of the rest of the guys. Uh, just to give, uh, you know, we, we, we concentrate on a few of the, you know, the bigger players coming in, but we also feel like this list is a really, not a long list, but there are players that we want to give some attention to. So you just want to, uh, we'll go like a little uh, rapid fire. Does that sound okay? Yeah. You want to alternate? Let's go. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, the next, uh, yeah. Next person we'll go to is uh, Marcus McDuffie, Wichita State. You know, all, everybody has Wichita State rated very highly, whether it be in your top five or your top 10. And uh, everybody's, uh, of course, giving proper love to Landry Shamit, the, the tremendous point guard that they have. But let's not forget about McDuffie. 6'8 wing player, averaged uh, 11.5 points, uh, over 5.5 boards, and over an assist a game. Great percentages across the board as well for him. 45% from the uh, field, uh, 35 from three, and over 81% from the line. He does that all in 25 minutes a game. So uh, one of the other things that Wichita State has going for them is that they have a whole bunch of athletes that can run in and out. So Marcus McDuffie isn't going to have to be that 35 a minute a game guy. He's going to have his numbers kind of be where they are and do it really efficiently in the amount of time that uh, Coach Marshall decides to give him that particular day. But I think if you're going to find a difference maker besides Shamit on this team, I think McDuffie is that guy for sure. I can't wait to see them. And McDuffie's got to be the score, Gus, for them because Shamit is not really a score. He did a nice job. He would he would control the tempo, but I do feel that McDuffie's got to be the main go-to guy. They got Shaq Morris, everybody inside. I agree with you. I think McDuffie is the X factor for Wichita State. Um, moving on to Kentucky. I mean, we could talk. Uh, Gus, we could do a whole pot in Kentucky, guys, couldn't we? But the three that we picked out here, Jared Vanderbilt, Kevin Knox, and Wayne Gabri- and Wenyan Gabriel. So Vanderbilt, Knox, and Gabriel. Vanderbilt coming in, had a foot injury in the spring, but he's totally healed. 6'9", 215-pound freshman. Kevin Knox, 6'9", 205-pound freshman. He was a late decision. He took Kentucky over North Carolina, Duke, Florida State, and Missouri, just adding to Diallo there and adding to the riches that is Kentucky. Uh, and of course, Wenyan Gabriel. I, I think Gabriel is an interesting guy. He is a sophomore, 6'9", 215. He's their top. Isn't this amazing, Gus? Wenyan Gabriel is Kentucky's top returning scorer and rebounder at 4.5 points per game and 4.8. Insane. Rebounds. Yeah. All right. But I did think that he should be benched in. Um, that he was better coming off the bench last year. And I felt that they were a lot better when they had Derek Willis on the floor. And that right. ended up being the case as the year went on. His minutes went down and down. He has to be a Marcus Camby-like player. He can actually hit, step back and hit the threes, but he can fill the lane. He's got to get more than, than just the putbacks for them. But I think he can take a step forward. And Gus, what's more motivation than 38 stars coming in to, uh, to push you there? But Vanderbilt's going to be an issue up front. Kevin Knox is tremendous. Wenyan Gabriel, all really great guys to choose there from the forward position for the young Wildcats, 32-6 and six last year, 16-2 and two in the SEC. I'm wondering if he's going to play all three of those guys together. I think that'd be a, a interesting lineup to put out there with a, you know, throw a point guard out there or maybe just have Knox run the point because that's a possibility too. Sure. But yeah, they, they, I mean, they have so many choices over there. Another one of the swings and one, again, one of my favorite players, one of, you know, everybody's favorite player in last year's uh, tournament, Mike Dom from South Dakota State in the Summit League. Mike Dom put up a zillion points last year uh, in the conference finals in the Summit League. Uh, he had 38, uh, 37 points and just basically put, you know, 
uh, South Dakota State on his back to bring him to the tournament so they could play uh, so they could play um, Gonzaga, which was a great matchup. He may not get all American votes for first team, second team, or third team, but you know what? Maybe he should. The fact that he puts up such crazy numbers with such great efficiency and shooting percentages, how could you not love the guy? I think if he, if they put a South Dakota State game on late, I am going to make sure I find it on the clicker and, and make sure that I can watch him or maybe go to watch ESPN and pull up uh, some Summit League games or something. But I am going to make it a point to put my eyes on Mike Dom during this season because that guy is just fun to watch and you know what? He he's the perfect like uh, he is the perfect like college basketball player. I think earlier last year we compared him to like Taylor Toppenrath from Vermont a bunch of years ago, and the comparison's totally spot on. So Mike Dom, yet another swing man that you got to pay attention to. And it's you know it's not crazy. It's not crazy that he might lead the nation in scoring. I didn't know Gus that Alec Peters came back for another year at South Dakota State. Did you? Know? <laughs> You're totally right. Awesome. Got 65.5% uh, shooting percentage. What does that even mean? 25.8 rebounds. You said it all. Mike Dom, got to watch him, people. I hope, oh, man, I, I hope they yeah. get in again. We can just see him light him up. And don't put him on at the 5 o'clock game on Thursday when everyone's coming home. Give the guy the 12 o'clock game or give him the 8 o'clock game. Come on, people. Yeah, come on. Everybody wants to see the leading scorer in the nation. <laughs> All right, the way this worked out, Gus, of course, I, I have sort of been the Purdue buzzkill of the pair <laughs> I'm so here. happy that that makes Edwards fell to you, yes. Here's, it, folks, here's the deal. And Gus and I have a bet on this with Michigan and Purdue. I like what Matt Painter did. 27-8, and 14-4. They won the Big Ten Conference. Well done. Clapping for you, Matt Painter. Well done. Here's the point. You lost one of the most dominant players that we've seen in a long time in college basketball. I understand Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards, P.J. Thompson, Klein is back for three, Haas in the middle, Drago. I get the whole thing. My question, Gus, is are they good enough now? Because you don't have to double Isaac Haas. I know he's 7'2", 290, but he also travels every time he drop steps. So Vince Edwards is such a critical piece to this team. He may be as important as anyone that we've mentioned, besides Mike Dom, of course. Because Jared Vanderbilt goes down. Oh, we only have 33 more stars at Kentucky. Vince Edwards returned. He waited a little bit too long for my liking, Gus, to return. He thought about it. 12.6 points per game, 3.2 assists per game. He's a do-it-all guy. He's a Swiss Army knife. If you need it, he can do it. But, Gus, he's got to step forward because who's scoring on this team? Matthias and Klein are three-point shooters. Haas, we know what you're going to get from him eight points 10 rebounds he's going to be in foul trouble sorry it's my jock landell and me okay uh carson edwards had a tremendous great. summer he was great on the usa basketball under 19th team with 10.3 points per game and pj thompson is what he is as a senior i think edwards is the critical piece for the boilermakers and i want to see him step up gus if purdue's going to be as good as you think they are this guy's got to take a step forward we can't have any more of these 6.6 rebound games he's got to be better than that I agree. I think if every good team is going to have a go-to player, they can just go to that player and ask that player to get a basket. I think Vince Edwards might have to be that player for Purdue. Um, we know who that player is going to be for Georgia. Yante, uh, Yante Mallon, he put up giant numbers for Georgia last year. Uh, he put up 18.2 points, 6.8 rebounds, 
shot at over 50% from the field, shot at almost 50% from three, and shot at 71% from the line. It wouldn't be crazy if he's a first-team all-conference-type player coming back and very similar uh, body to Vince Edwards, who we just mentioned. Um, so I think if George is going to you know, go to get a basket or two, you know they're going to go to Yante. I think that, that, that that's a no-brainer. He had a giant year last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he averages 20 points a game this year for Georgia. Um, so even though they may be down, uh, they may not be a tournament team. If Georgia comes up on your clicker, then I think it's worth tuning in just to see how he's going to do against his competition. Um, I think uh, – yeah, I would call right now. Yeah, I think Yante's going to average over 20 points a game. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching him play. Um, and the next guy is one of my favorite guys to stay up late for, right, Mike? Yeah, let, let me tell you guys. Southern Cal is loaded. Absolutely <laughs> loaded. I struggled, man. You know my top 25. I wanted to put him three. Because I wanted to knock the freshman down. I wanted yeah. to go Michigan State, Arizona, Southern Cal. And maybe I should have. They are the best team in the Pac-12. No discussion. Oregon, UCLA, I know. USC is the real deal. 26-10. and 10, They did not have this gentleman, Benny Boatwright, for most of the season. He came on late. 10-8 and eight in the Pac-12, tied for fifth. But Andy Enfield, in his fourth year, has everybody back. And they even have Derek Thornton coming in, transferring from Duke. He sat out last year. He's ready to go. Boatwright is a game changer. He missed 17 games last year, 6'10", 230 pounds. They knocked off SMU and broke our hearts, right, Gus? Because both me and you had them going far. Missed Mm -hmm. 17, though, 17 games, but he's 15.1 points per game, 4.5 rebounds. He will not be in school after this year as a junior. I can guarantee you that. But the gentleman who who is the architect of Dunk City out of Florida Gulf Coast, Annie Enfield, has built himself a winner. This team is going to be good, and Benny Boatwright is at the center, no pun intended, of everything. That's for sure. And th- another thing about Boatwright, he, sh- he shot at 90% from the line last yep. year. Yeah, good. It's crazy. Uh, and last guy in that conference, and then we'll just do a quick rundown of our, our, our other guys as well uh, that we want to give attention to on the wing. Uh, Let's not forget about Tress Tinkle. Uh, He averaged over 20 points a game in only six games last year for Oregon State. He also averaged about over eight boards. So if nothing else, it's kind of like uh, the same situation as uh, maybe with UConn last year where they had all of their players uh, injured and you just want to see them come back healthy. We just want to see Tinkle come back healthy and have a similar impact but for the entire season. And who knows, maybe Oregon State uh, surprises some people in, in the Pac-12 and uh, Tinkle can average over 20 points a game, but except for a whole entire season. I think Tinkle, uh, I- I'm kind of looking forward to staying up late to watch him play as well and, and see him be healthy and enjoy success during the season. Uh, let's move into the Big South Conference, Gus, and we're going to talk about Xavier Cooks from the Big South and Winthrop. Of course, I say Winthrop, we can't help but remember that Pat Kelsey was there, then he was in UMass, then he was back again, returning to, quote, Rock Hill. Uh, Cooks, Gus, versatile, springy, 6'8", senior guy. You can move him around, he can block shots, he can do it all. He led the conference in defensive rebounding and block percentage and was third in his assists while scoring 15.8 points per game on 49% shooting in the conference. He does it all in the Big South. He's going to make Winthrop a, 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 a certainly a favorite to, to win the conference and to make the NCAA tournament. It's another guy at a small school you should pay attention to. Xavier Cooks, senior, forward, 6'8", 185 pounds. Yeah, Winthrop's going to be decent. They're going to be one of the teams to watch in that conference. I think Clemens will probably win the player of the year. 
in that conference, but I think Cooks is going to be in discussion as well. Uh, another guy that we want to give a little attention to, uh, Peyton Aldridge from Davidson. You know how Davidson is always going to be fun to watch offensively. Uh, last year, Gibbs averaged over uh, 20 points a game during the season, and Aldridge played like second fiddle. Guess what? This year, he's going to play lead banana. Um, he averaged over 20 points and over eight boards uh, last year, and I think Davidson's offensive efficiency is only going to uh, accentuate his offensive skill set. Uh, we know that uh, Coach McKillop is, uh, always puts his players in positions to succeed offensively, and I can see him doing the same thing with Aldridge like over and over and over again. I think it's just a matter of how many points over 20 points a game he's going to average. I don't think it's an, an I don't think it's a question. So is he going to be like Mike Dom and go bananas and average over 25 points a game? Uh, maybe. I think it's something to keep an eye on. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be exciting to watch for the A10. But I think uh, Aldridge from Davidson, that's another guy, another swing guy to keep an eye on. I'm hot on the comparisons here. So Bob McKellar from Davidson is really a poor man's Mark Few, isn't he, Gus? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. It's, uh, I, I, we had a nice dinner tonight. I'm on fire. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on to the Horizon League. Let's go out to Oakland and let's talk about Jalen Hayes. He was first team all Horizon last year, Gus. 6'7", 213 senior, an absolute mammoth person on the boards. 15.9 points per game, 8 rebounds per game. He's going to lead an Oakland team that is favored to to win the Horizon. They have Martez Walker back and they have one of the, the uh, Screen the Screener podcast favorites, Isaiah Brock, back. So Jalen Hayes, 6'7", 213. Monster on the boards out there in the horizon. Horizon's always frisky in the tournament, right? A little bit. Always, okay. always, always frisky. frisky. Oakland's a team that you're you're going to want to go after. There's a couple guys who are who are favorites for the Player of the Year, and certainly right up there is Jalen Hayes, without question. And one other thing, just on Isaiah Brock, we're crossing our fingers that he'll be back because he initially announced that he was taking a semester off to concentrate on his studies. Oh, we're hoping so we're back, hoping yeah. for the second semester, maybe he'll come back and join the Grizz and help uh, Hayes and, and Walker and Nunn out. But I'm with you. Uh, I think I think Hayes is fun to watch. You know what? I'll, I'll sandwich. How about if I sandwich the next two guys together? Since I, I was free. I was going to give them to you anyway. And there's yeah. no way. There was no way I was going to talk about Nevada. So I was going to I was going to throw it to you anyway. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I, you know, you figure we let, let's talk about uh, the two Mountain West uh, uh, swings that are both going to be in the running for. You know, I, I'm assuming they'll both be in the running for Conference Player of the Year, and that's of course Jordan Caroline and Chandler Hutchinson of Boise, uh, Caroline uh, of Nevada, uh, and Hutchinson of Boise State. Um, both six seven. Uh, both do just about everything you're going to ask them to do. Um, you know that I love Caroline. Caroline uh, was one of the best rebounders in the conference, one of the best offensive rebounders at 6'7". is just an absolute bull down there. Uh, Isn't afraid to play inside or outside. I I love what he brings to the floor uh, every single contest. And Hutchinson is this really gifted, like smooth as silk, um, uh, great shooter, can do just about everything you ask him to do in the offense. Gus, if we were in season, I would have played smooth operator there by Sade. But uh, we're not in season yet for the drops. They're coming, folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll doctor all those up, but I, I love watching <laughs> both those guys play. Uh, and and Caroline, I think, and Nevada are going to be a huge surprise this season. I can see them doing enormous things across the board. I think early on in the season, I think they're going to really catch everybody's attention. And I think Hutchinson is definitely a player worth watching. Uh, so, you know, don't sleep on the Mountain West as far as players go. They may be down as far as like multiple bids for their conference. But as far as quality players, I think you have to include both of those guys in the conversation for player of the year. 
Uh, well, Gus, I mean, Nevada's going to the Elite Eight. We already discussed this a couple podcasts ago. So they, they, <laughs> I like, called that on the podcast. Yes, yes. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have a good year. Missouri Valley Conference, Gus. Uh, probably Missouri State is the favorite in the Missouri Valley. And if you're talking about that, you have to talk about senior forward Elise Johnson. 17 double-doubles. We talk about Angel Delgado out there in uh, in Seton Hall. we got to talk about Elise Johnson as well, as well. He was leading the league in rebounding, and he was sixth in scoring. Uh, he's going to be a leader for Missouri State. Definitely a guy inside who likes to, to pound the boards. Anytime you come out of the Valley, you're going to be frisky. You got Valpo in there, Northern Iowa. There's so many things. But right now, Missouri State is the favorite for the Missouri Valley Conference. And certainly, Elise Johnson, 6'9", 203-pound senior, 14.8 points, 10.6 rebounds. He's If you're talking about forwards, under-the-radar forwards, Elise Johnson's at the top of the list. I think you have to include him in the conversation. Good call on that one. Very, very nice call. Uh, another uh, another forward, uh, small school. Let's go to UT Arlington. We talked a little about Kevin Hurry before. Uh, he's going to be partnered with Neil in the backcourt. That's a definite one-two combination to pay attention to. Uh, UT Arlington did get some big wins last year, uh, and Hervey was at the center and at the uh, was at the center of all of those wins. He returns. He is probably the favorite for the Player of the Year in the Sun Belt as well. Uh, he can shoot it from outside. He can rebound it for you. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's not afraid to do a little dirty work. Um, so Hervey can do just about everything you're going to ask him to do. And I think he's an NBA player just from watching him play a couple of times last year. I can totally see him on an NBA. NBA roster uh, when he decides to uh, graduate and move on to the next level of basketball. So I think next swing forward they have to pay attention to is Hurry UT Arlington from the Sun Belt. Let's give a little let's give a little love to the whack. How about Eli Chua from uh, New Mexico State? They asked him to play uh, a little bit of an undersized power forward position, six seven ish. Uh, led the team in rebounding. Uh, they do have a whole bunch of guards that they're going to play around him as well. So he's not going to have to do a whole bunch of the uh, ball handling on the perimeter. They're going to ask him to be maybe the hub of the offense uh, off the uh, off the shoulder. So I think Chua is another one to pay attention to. And I really like New Mexico this year. I think, uh, you know, along with uh, um, Dan Marley and uh, Grand Canyon, I think they're the favorites in the whack. Um, so I think if you're going to pay attention to a player out there, I think Chua might be uh, the last small forward that we ask you to pay attention to uh, for New Mexico State. Oh, there you go, Gus. Uh, so, we, folks, we got some really cool things rolling up here. We want to unveil that on the website, Randall Rant, and then if you go to RandallRant.com and you click on Screen the Screener, you can officially become a Patreon of the show. What we're trying to do here is just generate some revenue to keep us going, to pay for some of the stuff that we do, and we want to give back to you guys as well. So you have a couple options there. You can either contribute as little as $1 a month, which is really nothing. It's just something to say, hey, guys, I enjoy listening to you. You know, Here's a couple shekels for what you do. Or if you're willing to go up to $6 a month, which is really just $1.50 a week, guys, we will give you an official Screen the Screener t-shirt, as well as when we're in season, we will give you an extra pod. On that pod will be picks. On that pod will be breakdown, our thoughts, a little window into us and what we do and how we think here. So it's just a little way of supporting the podcast. We're trying not to overwhelm you with the ads. We have a couple that we put on there, and we don't want to get to a point like a lot of these podcasts are where you're just reading nonstop ads. We don't want to do that. So it's a little way for us to generate revenue, pay for the website, pay for a couple things. We'll have some giveaways for you, stuff like that along the way. So if you're interested, go to randallrand.com, go to screen the screen or click on that tab there. And if you feel like donating, if it feels good, do it. But either way, folks, feel free to uh, to rate us on iTunes. Of course, we love the five-star ratings and the comments. And of course, you can find me at Randall Rand and find Gus at ckearns12, as well as the podcast at 
SDS podcast, as Gus says, efficiency of keystrokes. Nice. Screen the screen on listeners out there. Thank you so much for carving out a little time during your week. We will catch up with you later on during the week. Uh, and we hope that everybody is enjoying the change of seasons, no matter where you might be enjoying that. So make sure you spend a little bit of time outside and, and, and take in that change. Uh, enjoy a sunset, enjoy a sunrise, and, and enjoy that fresh air and the Christmas that's out there. And that Christmas, Christmas means one thing. That means college basketball season is getting a little bit closer. So we're happy to walk you down the aisle to the start of college basketball season. So thank you so much out there, listeners. Alec Peters, Mike Dawn, Bob McKillop, Mark Few. We're out of here. Screen the screener. I'm the to the appetite. It's